Hello, and welcome back to Horror 4H. First, let me address the elephant in the room. Craig, I have no idea how the fuck you got in this room. No offense, but you're an elephant, and frankly, there's no way in hell you should have been able to get in here in the first place. I mean, the door isn't big enough for you to fit through, and, and you know, also, there's literally no way for you to continue existing in this room with space for anything else. In fact, I'm starting to think you're not even real. I think it's time you left. Okay, now that that's out of the way, uh, I apologize profusely for my absence. If you've been paying attention to the Twitter feed or the Facebook page, you'll likely have seen me posting about my throat. I still don't know what I had, but it's apparently on the mend, question mark. I'm better than I was, but still not at 100%, but I think I can finally do an episode, so that's nice. I had a solid week or two there where I couldn't even speak at all. I had a few weeks where I couldn't raise my pitch above what I'm talking at right now. And worst of all, pretty much for the past six to seven weeks, I've been hacking and coughing constantly, which would make an episode virtually impossible unless you just wanted an hour of me coughing while sputtering out a few lines from the movie. And while that may be entertaining to some of you, the rest of you probably don't have nearly that much weed to make that okay. <clears throat> so, see, like that. Okay, social media stuff. Twitter, Facebook, just search on either of those for Horror4H and find me there. Don't forget the email, horror4h at gmail.com. And hopefully now that I'm not dying, I'll be doing these again and updating as things progress. Also, don't forget to check out the Patreon page where you can pledge some donations to help keep this thing up and running. And, you know, maybe take care of the cost of the literal fuck-ton of cold meds I've been taking consistently for the past couple months. Seriously, I think I've drank more NyQuil in the past two months than I have in the past few years. The doctors never said what they thought was wrong, but after a few visits, they ended up finally throwing steroids, antibiotics, prescription cough meds, and the kitchen sink at it. And spoiler alert, <clears throat> I'm still coughing a bit. But if I die, know that I died doing what I love. Hating everything. So, without further ado, it's time for the reason some of you stuck around and hoped I'd actually get back to doing this. A bad movie with bad riffs accompanying it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy bad horror through someone else's eyes. Cutting Class, 1989. So, we start off with some upbeat yet spoopy 80s-sounding synth-pop. So far, so good. Oh, and uh, Brad Pitt and Roddy McDowell are in this. So you know this movie's gonna be absolute shit. Because at this point in his career, Roddy was only doing bad horror movies for the most part. Remember? We've already seen him in uh, one bad movie on the show so far, Shockma. Uh, the movie so bad, I couldn't describe the last several minutes of it. Because I don't hate you people that much. Uh, oh wait, hold up, uh, did I just see, yes, I did, Martin Mull is in this, I love Martin Mull, he was Colonel Mustard and Clue, also the diner owner in Roseanne, but he's always Colonel Mustard to me, personally. The opening sequence is a paperboy throwing papers everywhere, which already set the movie to be horror, because all I can think of now is the game Paperboy, and how fucking death running out to ruin your paper throws. Ugh. Close up on one of the papers he throws, and we see... Boy Who Killed Released From. Uh, uh, there's probably more to that headline we're not seeing. And I'm guessing it's either an asylum or a prison, but either way, it's at the bottom of the front page. I can't make out what the main story is, but apparently it's a big one to overshadow a possible murderer being released. So that's fine. Main female lead in what seems to be just a t-shirt that barely covers her panties looks around to make sure that no one's going to see her in that outfit before holding the, the shirt down and hopping. Yes hopping out to get the paper. She bends down to pick it up and is poked by the fucking barrel of a shotgun. Daddy! Fucking Christ, Daddy! Learn proper gun safety! Jesus Christ! Even if that thing isn't loaded and your finger isn't on the trigger, it's fucking loaded. You know, basic gun safety 101. Treat every gun as if it's loaded. And he just poked his daughter in the shoulder with it. Even if you don't aim at someone with a shotgun, at that range, decent chance they're still fucked. So... He starts to question her wardrobe, but aha, the tables are turned and his wardrobe is critiqued. 
Probably because he's wearing shitty camo and a red flannel hat. I mean, that's, that's all I have to say about that, right? Like, you, yeah. So, okay, plot is set up and in effect. He's a district attorney, and he's going hunting for the week. But he's never left his daughter alone this long before. Bet that won't matter or come into play at all. Remember, those guns over the fireplaces, never used. He's got three rules for her. The first is to, quote-unquote, attack her homework. Because one simple math question could be the difference between law school and running a locksmith trade through the mail. Wait, what the, what the fuck? Okay, first off, if one math question is the difference between those things, I don't think law school was in your future in the first place. Second, lo locksmith through the mail? I, I have questions. Yeah, well, anyways. Rule two, no boys in the house while I'm away, because your presence would definitely deter anything untoward. I know for a fact when I was in high school, I never fooled around with my significant other. If either of our parents were in the house with us, and, oh, oh, wait, no, that literally never stopped us at all, at all. It just kept us from being loud. Rule three, which is the most important rule, no cutting class. Oh my god, they said the name of the movie in the movie! <laughs> Quick, someone pull up the Family Guy clip. No? I can't do that? Okay, I'm being told that would probably, like, get me sued if Seth MacFarlane ever actually listened to this, which he wouldn't. So I probably could do it, but I'm not. So I'm only a few minutes in, and I can tell already that they didn't want to go with the actress they got. They wanted Shannon Doherty. This actress is, like, the dollar store version of her, in that you're getting the exact same product, but you just paid less, so it's actually cool. So she drops the paper in the trash as he's leaving, and we see the full headline. Boy Who Killed Father Released from Institution. And we can also see the top headline better, and it says, as best as I can see, because it's still not really too visible, Justice Frieders on his oldest fine points? I have no idea how to make that into something sensical, let alone something that's more important than a killer being released, but okay, moving on. District Attorney Mustard pulls over to a cabin check store called The Kill Zone, so you know it's a solid store. An old man in a show of true folksy wisdom smears dirt on him because he smelled like the city and now he smells like the earth. I didn't know ducks had such a keen sense of smell. You learn something new every day. Cut to him in the tall grass shooting at ducks and missing horribly. Someone shouts, hey, Mr. District Attorney, over here. Then we get a long drawn out scene of someone knocking an arrow and shooting him with it. I mean like 30 seconds long. Way longer than it needs to be. But the best parts are that he never reacts to the voice. It, like it wasn't quiet. It was literally shouting, and instead of being like, Who's there? Or, How the fuck did someone find and or follow me out here? He's just like, Man, those ducks are way harder to kill when I can't put my gun against the screen. Also, it's great because the killer calls him Mr. District Attorney, which, honestly, is probably what I'd call him, so the killer's an alright guy in my book so far. And District Attorney Mustard goes down. And now, cut to Brad Pitt, popping in a cassette, and literally almost getting in an accident two seconds later before squealing tires and taking turns like a moron, and then he almost hits a kid on a big wheel whose mother was jogging next to him, and when the kid is in the road, she was like, just gotta keep jogging this way. So, of course, after almost hitting the kid, he gets out to make sure the kid's okay, and I'm just fucking with you. He yells something like, same time tomorrow, because, you know, why not almost kill a kid every day, and then peels off, because this is the 80s, and kids were tougher back then, and a little brush with death never hurt anybody, right? Okay. Brad Pitt, whose name is Dwight, but I will call him Brad Pitt the entire fucking movie. I don't care what his character name is. He's Brad Pitt. He walks into chemistry class late with basically no reprimand and is fed answers to the teacher's questions by another student, so I'm going to go ahead and guess football star, basketball star, some kind of jock. 
Oh, and we're back to Shannon Doherty lookalike, uh, helping move stuff in the gym, and bumping into a quiver full of arrows, one of which has a leaf on it! Dun, dun, dun! So, kudos to the movie here. It's a bunch of girls in gym clothes, but they're doing gym stuff in gym class, instead of moving right to the showers like most idiot horror film would. So, you know, like, legit. Good job, movie. I'm impressed. We see some awkward staring between the main female lead and a uh, kid we saw in chemistry class who knew his shit while the teacher was explaining basic stuff, which is like full on like making something. Uh, we didn't really see what it was, but it was implied he knew what the fuck he was doing. Brad Pitt doesn't like this kid, uh, and he doesn't like that there's some glances going on between them. So when Brian, I, I think that's the chemistry kid's name, is climbing the rope in gym class, Brad decides to grab the bottom of it and starts swinging it around because nothing says hilarious high school prank like possibly making someone fall to their death. So Brian falls because, you know, Brad's a dick. And then the coach, who was five feet away and apparently didn't hear Brad Pitt mocking the kid while swinging the rope, runs over and demands Brian give him 30 push-ups. And now it's either lunch or after school, and Brian shows up to the local food joint where all the cool kids hang out on top of their cars. But he showed up on his bicycle. Lame. Doherty 2.0 has a friend who's being the stereotypical annoying friend, making fun of her and the guy who likes her. And then Brad Pitt shows up and is all, hey, we can use my brother's ID to get beer and go to your place because your dad's still hunting. Friend, Colleen, says that Paula, uh, apparently that's the lookalike's name, by the way. I'm 11 minutes into this movie right now. And the main female lead's name was just mentioned for the first time, as far as I'm aware. So that's a good sign. Mm -mm. Colleen says Paula deserves more than beer. What could she deserve? Wine? Wine coolers? Champagne? No! Brad Pitt's ring. Remember in high school when you'd give your high school ring to your significant other? Uh, me either, but apparently that, that, that was a thing. I don't know. So does he? Duh. No, he's like, okay, well, I'm hungry. Want anything? So, you know, at least he actually asks her if she wants anything. And she's like, well, maybe I just have a craving for a hot dog. I, I don't even know if that's supposed to be a sexual innuendo or not, honestly. Like, it was so poorly delivered. Anyways, cue Brian literally appearing out of nowhere the second Brad Pitt leaves to give her a hot dog. Dude, you just got out of an asylum for killing your dad. Maybe don't do creepy shit like that, you know? So Brad Pitt comes back to, oh god, I don't know if you can hear in the background, but somebody's mowing outside. Uh, but it's summer now, so that shit's gonna happen, and it's so hot in my room that I kinda need the window open. So if you hear mowing in the background, deal with it, I guess? I don't know, I'm sorry. Yeah. So Brad Pitt comes back to see she's already got a hot dog and reacts appropriately by screaming, GET IN THE CAR! a few times, and making her roll up the window before having a chat with Brian. The chat is about how they used to be buddies and used to do stuff together, but that's not gonna happen anymore, man. There's some bad analogy about how a broken leg is being able to be told when it's healed because of x-rays, but you can't just x-ray a broken mind, and so it's just all guesswork, and so Brian needs to leave Paula and Brad Pitt alone, and I, I don't, it was, it was bad. And now we're at Paula's house, and <gasps> Brad Pitt is in the house, but that's against the rules. Paula, you rebel. So what would you do if you were Brad Pitt and your girlfriend broke the rules to let you into the house when her dad wasn't home? Would you A, totally get it on, B, be glad that your long con has finally worked, hit her over the head, and rob them blind before making your way to Mexico, C, wear his suit like a jackass, D, summon Satan to play backgammon with, or E, all of the above? The answer was C, wear his suit like a jackass. If you said A, you were almost right because they start making out after he makes a joke about how how much bigger his dick is than her dad's. Okay. But she won't fuck him until his grades improve. Take note, people. That's how you do it. No sex till your grades improve. Like, 
seriously, if people had said that to their significant others in high school, we'd have way better grades overall. Or just way more single high schoolers. And hey, look, it's uh, it's Roddy McDowell. He's pulling a sock off a microphone and smelling the sock. What the literal fuck did I just see? Okay, and he's making an announcement. I, I guess he's Principal McDowell, and uh, he's making it about how whoever made a drawing of him in the bathroom was quote-unquote generous, but should keep their talents to the art class. So he made a school-wide announcement to the whole student body that basically said, hey, I like that picture in the bathroom of me, but my dick isn't really that big. Carry on! Okie dokie then. So speaking of our class, yes, they used that fucking terrible of a segue, Paula is going to model for the class, and Brad Pitt isn't happy about it. So of course, we have a weirdly creepy art teacher who's a bit too touchy-feely with the model, and who also mocks Brad Pitt and tells him to go bounce some balls. And the first pose he has her take for the class is to bend over at the waist to pick up an apple. Now, I could stop here, and I could go into the fact that Principal McDowell's character's name is Mr. Dante, and that the apple is a classic symbol for the fruit in the Garden of Eden, even though, let's be real, it was a fucking pomegranate. And we could start to dissect this movie about how it's a slow descent through the different levels of hell, but that would be giving this movie way too much credit. This movie is definitely a descent through hell, but not in that kind of way. So... Brian is skulking around the art class, and art teacher Creeperson is all, Oh, you want to be in my art class? Well, then you're going to be in my art class. Except not nearly with that deep of a voice. And he makes him hold up the apple as high as he can to have Paula grab for it so they can awkwardly touch and be super close so we can almost get some sort of tension, I think. I don't know. Honestly, I'm more interested in my glass of water right now than this scene. So, not that this is a bad scene, but, you know, this, this water is fucking super tasty. Mm, mm. Oh, oh, almost kisses happen. Forced sexual tension. Ooh. And Principal McDowell awkwardly touches and makes creepy advances towards Paula because it's impossible to have a horror movie in which an older male has a normal, healthy relationship with younger women. They either have to be their father or a pervert, and sometimes both. I give it maybe two minutes in before he does something so sleazy that I vomit just a little bit. He wants to see her in his office for a quote-unquote surprise. Oh, boy. And when she enters, he says, on the floor, where he's placed the new cheerleading uniforms, so she'll have to bend over to pick them up. By the waist. Look, even though I've almost literally never seen anyone bend over like that. Like, legit, her knees are locked, and she's, she's bending over at the waist, because how else will he see her panties? Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Okay, try it on. I'll turn around. I can't wait to see you in it tomorrow. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. A little, a little bit of vomit. Okay, yep. Two mo- about two minutes exactly. God damn, I'm good at that. <coughs> this is my first viewing of this movie, too, so I was uh, I, I was spot on there. We saw a shot of some someone's eyes peeping in the office to watch him being creepy, by the way. So I'm assuming after Daddy Dearest being shot with an arrow, the principal pedo is probably going to be victim number two, which is all well and good considering we're 20 minutes into this movie and we've only had one murder. What kind of bullshit body count is that? They better amp this shit up. It's not even one murder, technically. I mean, you don't know that yet, and I don't know that yet. I wrote that in after. Anyways, long shot of Brian walking down a hallway, dragging a ruler across the lockers in what's supposed to be ominous, but really is just something a bored high school kid would do. Like, fuck it, I'm 34, and if I was walking down a locker-ridden hallway like that, I'd probably do the same fucking thing. Oh, hey, it's the art teacher taking something out of the person-sized kiln. Foreshadowing 
to the next like 10 seconds and then going oh hey what are you doing no before being shoved into the kiln and the temperature goes up to over 500 degrees interspersed with shots of the outside of the school because i'm pretty sure the editor was sneezing right there or something i don't know so Paula gets into her car and jump scare! It's Brad Pitt! He's drinking and complains that they're not gonna go get drunk because she says school is more important. He's all, that's something your dad would say if I didn't murder him with a bow, that is. Like, seriously, he's gotta be the killer, right? Right? Or is this a setup? Is this, is this to make me think he's the killer, but he's not really the killer? Let's find out. She says, don't get mad at me, and he's all, I don't get mad, I get even. Who the fuck says that to their girlfriend? Like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? I, he's only had, like, there's no way he could have could be drunk already off of, off of how little time he's had. So, I, I don't know. Anyway. Anyways, some pointless scene with a janitor and, and some stuff, and then a knock on Paula's door, and she opens it to find no one! Except for Brian clearly hiding in a bush across the street. Like, obviously, but she doesn't see him. And then another knock on the door, and it's Brad Pitt! Colleen and some other guy who's maybe her boyfriend. I don't know. We've never seen this guy before. And they're totes drunk, you guys, from all the beers they drank. They keep talking about beer. And I mean, like, okay, I didn't really drink in high school, like, very much at all. But a few of the parties I went to, which was not many, because, you know, I, this might be hard for you guys to believe, but I wasn't exactly popular back then or since then, ever really but the ones i did go to beer wasn't exactly the beverage of choice like it was whatever harder shit people could afford beer fuck beer give us mad dog 2020 all right so they show up because they want her key to the school so they can go through brian's files because what better thing is there to do when you're drunk than to break into the school to look at the file of the guy who used to be your friend but was sent to the mental hospital for killing his dad other than literally anything else that is okay Oh, ooh, but maybe she'll actually do that if he'll let her have his ring. Oh? Mm hmm? Also, I was wrong about the ring earlier. It's a family ring, apparently, not a school ring. So that makes more sense somehow, I guess. I don't know. So he hands it over and missed opportunity right here. They could have suddenly had Colleen and Paula be like, And now that we have your family ring, we can complete our spell. The world shall be engulfed in evil for eons. All we needed was this ring, which is an ancient relic. But no, instead they continue with the shitty movie. So whatever. So they go to the school to look at the files. As they drive away, we see Brian ride by on his bike. Yeah. And then they literally break the window to get into the school. So I guess her key is just to the file room. What the fuck? Alright, so it's like super late at night based on how dark it is, but the janitor is still there. And I didn't think it'd take him that long to clean everything, but then he says some weird shit I'm not even going to get into. But then he finally says, smoke a joint, and hides in a classroom. And honestly, that's one of the most believable things I've seen in this movie, because if I was going to have to clean an entire high school, and I could get high while doing it, like, I mean, I would. Speaking of, happy late 420, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed your holiday. As they're reading his file and finding out he's a violent schizophrenic, which, by the way, is actually very rare. Most schizophrenics are not violent, and if they are, it's usually just towards themselves. Destigmatize mental illness, people. We see the water cooler in the file room, because that makes sense. Why wouldn't they have a water cooler in the file room? Bubble several times, and at one point we see Brian's reflection in it, because... What? Wait, what? What? Whatever. Okay. Oh no, Brian had shock treatment. <gasps> By the way, guys, I've had shock treatments. They're not that bad. It, it, it actually kind of helped a little bit, honestly. So, Rando Man makes a copy of the report, and Brian watches him from the shadows. 
ominously spooky. And now I'm realizing that since I've said I've had shock treatments, most of you are like, this explains a lot of things. Everyone in the math class the next day makes a uh, I'm being shocked noise to fuck with Brian. Because that's, that's nice to do. And Brian proves that he's not a fucking idiot in math like Brad Pitt. So there's that at least, you know. And now we see a class, I, I guess, biology. This movie jumps around a lot. I apologize. I'm not apologizing. It's not my fault. It's the fucking movie's fault. So I guess it's a biology class, and they're trekking through a swamp. And the teacher literally steps on Paula's dad, who gasps and is alive, but despite heavy breathing, literally a foot away from the teacher, and saying, help, no one can tell if it's a person, so they just walk away. Also, let's take a moment to appreciate this. Either, A, a teacher took his students to an area where hunting is allowed without making them wear bright orange vests. B, a district attorney was hunting illegally. C, the writers didn't think anything through. D, cocaine. Or E, C, and D. The answer was E, C, and D. The writers didn't think anything through. Also, cocaine. So, time for a basketball game. And of course, Brad Pitt's dad is over-controlling and douchey. Guess we know where Brad gets it from then. And is hammering home about how there's a scout here from the college for that basketball scholarship. Because exposition is hard to do, you guys. Like, it's really hard, so cut the writers a break here. There was literally no other way to convey that than to just straight up smack you in the face with it. So, of course, as Paula and Colleen walk in through the gym, both Principal McDowell and Janitor stare creepily at them. And then Principal McDowell just has to be extra creepy and say weird shit like, do a cheer for me and I've been thinking about you. Thankfully, the writers or editors cut the part where he finishes the sentence with, when I was jacking off earlier. So, and, uh, oh, an obligatory locker room sequence, of course, complete with, oh, oh, hey, wow, go movie, no gratuitous nudity, wow, neat. I was expecting, like, stupidly, you know, gratuitous tit shots there. Good job. So there was someone looking through uh, something to spy on them, though, kind of like, you know, with the principal's office earlier. So, But at least they didn't show, you know, anything. They didn't, they didn't make something overly sexual that didn't need to be, and never mind. Colleen just took her panties off to give the fans something special to cheer about. Okay, and then promptly flashes her ass multiple times to the crowd, and now, in any high school I've been in, <clears throat> which is one, the principal would say something, but obviously, you know, Principal McDowell is too busy concealing his boner to do anything else, so it, she gets away with it. So, remember that random guy they were hanging out with earlier? Yeah, no, I forgot about him too, so don't worry, you're fine. Well, this time, uh, we find out, we find out right now, his name is Jerry, and he's under the bleachers and compliments the girls on The View, to which Paula says, Aw, thanks, Jerry. Okay... And apparently good old Jer does this every game, collects change that people drop out of their pockets, and looks up girls' skirts. Yeah. So I gotta ask, is there a guy in this movie who isn't a total creepy fucking pervert? A. No. B. Probably. C. Fuck no. D. The writers don't know how to write any other kind of male character who isn't either a killer or a pervert. Or E. A, C, and D. The answer was E. Which is, no. Fuck no. And the writers don't know how to write any other kind of male character who isn't either a killer or a pervert. Ten to one, by the way, that Jerry gets crushed behind the bleachers, because that shit just happens all the fucking time. So, Brad Pitt misses a shot, and then gets the ball stolen from him, and then gets elbowed in the face, so of course, he full-on punches the guy who did it, and starts a brawl in the middle of the game. And remember, we're not playing hockey, so that's not okay. 
and the scout from the college walks off, but not before Brad's dad paws at the guy to physically make him stay. Like, I know, if I physically force you to stand here and watch, then you'll have to sign my son. Which, you know, doesn't work. He then storms onto the court after the fight's broken up to slap his son in the face in front of everyone at the school while saying you're supposed to use your head, not your fists. Gee, that doesn't send a mixed message at all, Dad. So as Brad walks off screen, we see Brian, looking exactly like you'd expect a serial killer to look, by the way, coming into the stands, and Colleen and Paula talk about that instead of the literal fistfight that just happened in front of them because they're high school girls, and they can literally only focus on cute, brooding boys. God. Jerry pulls Colleen under the bleachers as the countdown to the game is running low. Uh, Wait. This is apparently the shortest fucking basketball game ever, and so I'm going to amend my statement. Jerry won't get crushed by the bleachers. Gary and Col- Jerry and Colleen will get crushed by the bleachers. Will they or won't they? A, no, that's not realistic. B, no, that's way too telegraphed even for these screenwriters. C, fucking duh. D, we won't know because the movie will run out of funding before they get to it. Or E, surprise, Jerry gets his throat slit from an unseen assailant as the timer runs out, so Colleen's screams get drowned out by the screaming fans before she also gets brutally murdered. The answer was E, actually. So, I mean, hey, you know, at least we're up to, what is that, um, four, four murders now. Well, three, and an attempted, if Daddy Dearest is still alive. So, Paula gets into Brad's car without ever wondering where Colleen went. Okay, they get a little touchy-feely before Brian slowly rises up by the window to watch them, gets angry, punches said window, and then walks off. Somehow nobody sees him. Okay, whatever. Oh, cut to the janitor literally mopping up blood and sniffing it before continuing to mop it up. Oh, oh, okay, there's literally nothing else that smells like blood except blood, especially that much blood. And and by his old, like, this janitor's probably in his 30s or 40s. They, like, there's no way he hasn't smelled blood by this point in his life. Like, there's no excuse for the janitor to not be like, Oh, holy fucking shit, this is like a half gallon of blood. Someone help, get the police, oh my god, ah! But no, nah, no, no. And now it's the next class day where the car shop class is going to work on brakes. And Brian is working on Brad's car, but Brad is all, Don't do anything without me watching. Okay, so this is like day two, by the way, of the art teacher being thrown into a kiln and no one noticing. Why? A, the art teacher is a sad, lonely person who has no friends or family who would miss him for more than a day. B, the teacher turnover rate at the school is so high they don't care. C, literally no one walked by the kiln. D, the writers hate you and want you to suffer. Or E, all of the above. The answer is E, all of the above. Are we seeing a pattern yet? Brad and Brian reminisce about how they used to work on cars together and how one time they took a part out of Brian's dad's car and never put it back. Because, you know, Brian wanted to kill his fucking dad. Oh, and hey, I'll never forget what you taught me, man. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. And they laugh like it's a secret fucking joke between them. It, like, isn't that how everyone learns that? Like, seriously. That's how everyone fucking learns that. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. And they joke about it a few more times, like, I'll never forget, man. What? It's like, what? All right, whatever. Oh, hey, Dad, uh, somehow, after not even being able to say help loud enough for someone a few feet away to hear him, is now fully erect and walking around. Okay, moving on. 
Now we're in math class, and Paula has finally noticed Colleen isn't around, and is talking to Brad about it, when the math teacher slams his ruler down on the desk to scare the shit out of Brad, and Brian stands up for him like, Hey, can't you cut him a break? Yeah, I'm having a private moment with my girlfriend over a serious matter, and both of you get the hell out! Just get out! Rah! So apparently the math teacher is on more cocaine than the writers were right now. Okay. So Brad and Brian have to go see, I don't know, I guess the vice principal is who this woman is. I don't know. Brad's in there for about a full 10 seconds before Brian goes in to be told, none of your teachers want you. And then it's just fed like total, total bullshit. Like not even high schoolers think that teachers talk this way to other high schoolers. It's like the writers went, hey man, do you remember high school? No, me either. But this cocaine is fucking awesome. And to continue with that trend of not knowing how anyone ever actually acts, we see Brad and Paula walking across the gym floor, and the janitor freaks the fuck out on them and tells them he's going to teach them how to say please and thank you, that he's the only teacher they'll ever remember, and that, and I'm quoting here, I'm the custodian of your fucking destiny. Okay, so if we're going to do a t-shirt for every episode of this show, this this episode's t-shirt would be on the front, I'm the blank A law. B, duck of your dreams. C, custodian of your fucking destiny. D, principal of your perverted nightmares. Or E, none of the above. And on the back, it would say, custodian of your fucking destiny. That line was delivered in all seriousness, by the way. Like, the writers were probably proud of that. I can see them in the writer's room right now, patting each other on the back. Like, that's a good fucking line, man. I know it's a good fucking line. Speaking of good fucking lines, let's do a fucking line. Yeah! All right. And now we see the stupidly mean vice principal lady photocopying something. And the lights go out, and she doesn't say anything useful as her head gets slammed into the copy machine until she dies. And of course, the machine spits out copies of her mangled face. All she does manage to scream is, what do you want? Because why would they tell us who the murderer is? Why would she wouldn't be like, you know, Brian, what are you doing? Or Principal Pato, what are you doing? Or Brad Pitt, why aren't you in better movies yet? Anyways, so, okay, I, I I don't know how to adequately describe this next scene. It's, it's, it's literally right after the photocopy murder. And, and it's Brad Pitt in the bathroom, and he's, he's washing his hands. And then he starts splashing some water on his face. And then there's ominous, and I, I don't even know how to, how to better describe this. It's ominous 80s pop music. That's a thing, apparently. It's playing in the background as Brian slams a stall door open and steps out to stare down Brad for no reason before walking to a sink and also starting to splash water on his face. And they both continue to stare down each other while literally just, like, pouring water all over their face. Like, if it's, it's possibly the stupidest scene I've ever come across. I encourage you to watch this entire movie simply to get to the custodian line of I'm the custodian of your fucking destiny and this scene. They are both worth the entire watch, I'm telling you. Okay. Oh, Paula found the vice principal bitch and screams. So Brad runs to her while Brian looks around like, oh no, someone knows I did it. And then Brad screams, do something! While holding her head because, I don't know, that's effective. And then he points at Brian and is like, he did it! And starts chasing after him. Brian runs, and while he does, Brad doesn't try to get anyone to stop him. Like, the hallways are full of people, and not once does he say anything like, hey, stop Brian, he murdered somebody. So they just keep running. They make it to a backstage area where Brian walks right by an exit door so he can then hide somewhere instead of, you know, walking out the exit door. And then Brad hears a noise and pulls back a costume rack to find A. Brian trying to hide, 
B, the custodian smoking a joint and trying to think of something clever to say, C, Principal McDowell in a funny wig, D, Colleen's mangled corpse, or E, none of the above? The answer was C, yes, Principal McDowell in a funny wig. That just happened. Brian seems to have given everyone the slip and actually managed to get out the exit door he'd just passed by. And then the next thing we see, like, you see Brad Pitt run outside and look around like, oh, he got away. And then the very next thing we see are helicopters flying over a forest and, like, cop cars squealing tires through the woods, which I, I, I don't think that's actually possible to squeal tires on dirt, but whatever. With people yelling over megaphones, Brian Woods, surrender! They know you're in there, Brian Woods! Give yourself up! And I, I think the copy I'm watching had to have skipped to get to that point, if, if it just hadn't been this bad so far, because it was just, oh, 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 Brad Pitt's outside looking for Brian, and then we're into a full-blown manhunt with nothing in between. So, okay. Oh, and they have released the hounds! Seriously, they released the hounds. The hounds are going out. So, one of the hounds finds Martin Mull, who has somehow pulled the arrow pulled the arrow out of himself, uh, and he's limping around just fine. By the way, I know he pulled the arrow out because he's still holding the fucking arrow. Because why the fuck wouldn't you? I don't know. And he's I don't know. He's like eating a mushroom or something, and he's like talking to the dog, and he's like, "Go get help, boy. Go get help." Go get help! Ah, someone help me! And of course, nothing happens. The dog doesn't go get anybody. Nobody follows the dog, because whenever you release the hounds into the, the woods to find someone, you don't follow them. You just let them run around for no reason. Yeah, no. This all happens, by the way, because the writers hate you, personally. They hate you. Okay, cut to some kind of town hall meeting where everyone's booing and holding photocopies of Vice Principal Bitch's murdered face. Like... They're the same photocopy. They're the same picture. So someone photocopied the photocopy of her face and handed it out to everyone. Like, I just imagine there's a guy at the door. Hello, welcome to the Angry Town Hall meeting. Here's your murdered lady face. Please take a seat. Like, for some reason, this town hall is at the school and the principal is leading it. I, I don't know. I guess they ran out of money and couldn't hire someone to play a mayor at this point. <laughs> Whatever. So Principal Pervy McDowell assures everyone that the police are doing what they can and to remain calm and then now brad's pitt's dad is all these there's kids missing a teacher's missing if we stay calm we'll all be dead okay first off none of you gave two shits that there were kids missing or that a teacher was missing until just now and second it's one teenage kid it's, it's one fucking kid murdering people y you think he's gonna literally murder everyone in the town so you're all completely inept as human beings got it okay so Custodian Destiny Fucker, good stage name by the way, you're welcome, dumps some trash in a dumpster behind the school, and slowly up from it rises another photocopy of Lady Dead Vice Principal, held by Brian Woods. Dun dun dun. And now is the part of the movie where A. Nothing happens. B. The editor has a fucking stroke. C. We see Paula studying followed by her not actually hearing a noise, but still going through the entire fucking house, like, opening doors, looking concerned for no reason, and it's all out of sequence. D, a bad jump scare involving a kid, the same kid who almost got ran over at the beginning of the movie, or E, B, C, and D. The answer was E. 
Seriously, she doesn't hear a noise, and she just starts walking through the entire house, opening doors, looking concerned, but it's all out of sequence. Like, she's downstairs, then she's upstairs, then she's walking down the stairs, then she's walking up the stairs. Then she opens the door and gets jump-scared by the little kid. I, I seriously, I think the editor died while making this. That's the only explanation I can come up with. Probably from too much cocaine. Fucking writers, man. Sharing their cocaine with people, getting people killed. Anyways... So we also see Brian riding down the middle of the fucking road on his bike in full view of anyone who would be driving down the road, because that's what suspected murderers do, right? Yeah. And now back to the school where Principal Diddler McDowell is making an announcement after removing the microphone sock. Yeah, microphone sock. Okay. And Paula runs through the school to show Brad the notes of her father's that she found. He was the prosecuting attorney on Brian's case, apparently. Ooh. So the transcript from the courtroom we find out that Brian's dad's brake lines were cut and he slammed into a gas station. It's a shame we didn't have a bigger budget for a flashback so we could see an explosion from a couple dozen angles. But who taught Brian how to cut brake lines? A. The janitor. B. He googled it. C. His imaginary pet cartoon dragon. D. An unnamed friend. Or E. D. Which stands for Dwight, which is Brad Pitt's character's name. The answer was D and E. You didn't know you could color in two bubbles, did you? I just blew your fucking mind. <laughs> so they hear a noise coming from almost backstage, even though it's actually literally right next to them on the stage. So then they run off towards the noise, because that's smart. And damn it, movie, you didn't do it earlier. Why'd you have to do it now? Boom, gratuitous tit shot for no reason. Totally gratuitous. None of the main characters are even in this locker room. It's just, here's some tits, and now we're in the gym, watching Paula's gym coats virtually dry humping her in an attempt to show her how to use a bow inside the gym because that's smart speaking of being smart gym teacher basically hits brad pitt in the face for not wearing gym clothes and then even smarter brad pitt knocks an arrow and takes aim at the gym coach before paula stops him and now we cut to dad swimming through the swamp and crawling again because he can't walk anymore even though he's been walking in the last few scenes i don't i don't know what's what's happening he was in an area close enough for the fucking bio class to be at like I mean, I could buy he's lost enough blood to be disoriented, but he's already been talking coherently and walking around normally. So, again, the writers just hate you, because this is like day three of him being missing or some shit like that. So, And now we're at uh, Paula's, and it's nighttime, because this movie skips between night and day more than fucking Minecraft. All right, Brad shows up, drunk, and she tells him to sleep it off, but not here, go home, because I want you to drive drunk. That's smart. And that's wrong. And do you know why that's wrong? Because A, don't drink and drive, kids. B, there are better ways to murder your boyfriend than by encouraging him to drink and drive. C, don't drink and drive, kids. D, only drink and drive if you're Dan Haggerty and you're going to drive a forklift into a cryo zombie. Or E, I'm the custodian of your fucking destiny. The answer was D. Throwback. So the door to Paula's uh, opens and oh, why wouldn't she lock it? I mean, she's home alone. There have been murders. You know, her friends are missing. So, of course, just leave the door unlocked. That makes perfect fucking sense. And it's Brian who storms into the bathroom when she's half naked and promises he's not going to hurt her as long as she doesn't scream. That's, uh, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. So he says he didn't kill the vice principal and he needs her help to find the real killer. And he has a few good opportunities to murder Paula right now, but he doesn't. And that proves he's not the killer. Or not, you know, whatever. Because honestly, 50-50, it's him or Brad Pitt. Or both. Ooh, did they pull a scream before Scream happened? Hmm, that'd be interesting. Or maybe it's Custodian Destiny Fucker. Let's watch and see. So Brian says, 
everyone thinks it's going to be him, and so that's why he ran. And he's not wrong, but here's the dead giveaway that Brian is, in fact, the killer. Also, get it? Dead giveaway? I'm fucking genius, people. Shut up. So she brings up Jerry, except she says Gary, and honestly, I don't care enough to back the fucking movie up to see if his name is Jerry or Gary, so I'm going to keep calling him Jerry. And Colleen, and the art teacher, and she's like, what about them? They're missing. And he's like, great, more dead people. They'll just blame me. Well, except the thing is, we don't know they're dead. I mean, we do, the audience, but but they don't. So why would you just assume they're dead unless you knew they were because you killed them? Dun, dun, dun. So the next morning, she wakes up to a phone call from what seems like a still angry, drunk Brad Pitt. I don't know. And Brian's staring at her while she sleeps. Okay. That's okay. Oh, and now he's going to show her proof. That he's not the killer. I don't I don't know why he didn't show this to her last night. It's the photocopy he was holding in the trash. And it's got a hand in it. With a ring. Brad Pitt's ring! <gasps> Except, didn't he give that ring to Paula? Oh yeah, yeah, no, he did. And then he traded it, they traded it back in class. They did like the whole passing chain back and forth. Like, I'm gonna pass this to this person, to pass it to that person, that person, that person. Then, yeah. So they do that. But, um, guess who was in the chain? That, that was, things were being passed on. Was it A, the janitor? B, Principal McDowell. C, a man-sized rabbit for no reason. D, Brian motherfucking Woods, dun-dun-dun. Or E, the pen that I have in front of me right now. The answer was C. Wait, no, that's the rabbit. The answer was D, Brian Woods. So, the gym coach is jumping on the trampoline. Okay. And Brad Pitt shows up to tell him to fuck off. We get a nice little back and forth of, Fuck you! No, fuck you! Fuck you! No, fuck you! Before Brad goes to change. Because... Even after exchanging fuck yous, he's still going to do the private gym class thing or fail. That, that makes sense. It doesn't make any sense. Paula and Brian sneak into the school, only to be accosted by the custodian of your fucking destiny, who hits Brian with the mop and yells murderer. He then swings the mop at both of them for a bit, and we see Paula run out of the locker room and down a hall, and at the end of this hall, she runs up the stairs. But right next to the stairs is a door that the janitor pops out of, which is literally fucking impossible. So apparently this entire school was designed by M.C. Escher. Neat. Okay. The gym coach is still jumping up and down on the trampoline, occasionally doing either a back landing or a belly flop. And we switch to killer point of view with a flagpole. So gym coach is about to be impaled. Yup. Jump, 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 belly flop onto a flagpole, and he's dead. Okay. Back to Paula hiding in a class. Wait a second. Why the fuck did the janitor leave Murder Boy alone to go chase after Paula? That... I... What? Alright, whatever. Oh, and Paula finds Colleen and Jerry tied up in a closet in the random classroom that she hid in because the murderer hid their bodies there? Because why? A. No reason. B. To create confusion. Clue reference. C. Because cocaine is a hell of a drug. D, because the writers want you to die a horrible death, or E, C and D. The answer, of course, is E. So Brad Pitt tries to get in the room and starts screaming angrily at her to let him in. Surprisingly, though, that doesn't work, and Paula starts yelling for Brian to get out of the school before the math teacher walks around the corner and doesn't seem the least bit concerned that she was just literally screaming for the guy everyone thinks committed murder to run. Okay. And he says, this is a dangerous place for a pretty girl like you. What the fuck? It's school. Why would he think it's dangerous? And why does he say she's pretty? What the literal fuck is wrong with all of these people? Oh my god. 
So she starts babbling incoherently about Brad Pitt and Brian and the murders, and then suddenly they hear a noise and duck into a classroom. The noise? It was the janitor running around acting like his mop is a rifle. I, I can't make this shit up. Uh, yeah. So the mic sock is removed, and some bad synth pop is played over the speakers, and Paula says, he knows we're in here! So it was literally just the speaker in that room, and now the room they're in. And now the next room they're in. Because even though he's in the principal's office, I, he's like he can fucking see in every room somehow. I, how can he do that? I'm not even going to give you a quiz this time. It's because fuck you. That's why. That's that's why. It's because the writers fucking hate you. Okay, so they finally make it to a room where the speakers don't immediately start playing bad music, but there's a math problem on the board about which door will get you killed. Because how the fuck did the murderer know which room they'd end up in? That's right, because fuck you, that's why. Ugh. So the math teacher can't do the problem because he's not prepared, but in all honesty, it's because the problem's actually incomplete and it doesn't give you enough information to solve it, but fuck that, we've already thrown everything logical out the window. So this is just sweet payback for making them do math problems. How dare the math teacher make them do math! Ah! So he's gonna die because of that. So he opens the door and Brian hits him with an axe several times in the face because he got the answer wrong! Because he didn't account for the time zone difference. Oh, <laughs> that's... What? That doesn't... Anyways. And now for the pointless monologuing that makes zero sense. He babbles about the past and the future and changing history. And it's like, no, I'm sorry, dude. But someone clever enough to do all this shit wouldn't be that fucking insane in a monologue. Just, no, I'm not buying it. And then he halfway sings Yankee Doodle Dandy because what the actual fuck? I'm not even... He, he literally starts like, I'm a Yankee Doodle killer like something like that i don't even fucking know it was it was it was it was weird so brad pitt bursts in and saves the day by not taking the axe great so now brian's chasing them with the axe mm -hmm. i wonder when custodian destiny fucker will show up so they run into the chemistry lab and brad pitt has her wet the floor so he can throw sodium on the floor to make it explode <gasps> and brian bursts in and says something like you're a yankee doodle baby too two of you must kill or die i'm not even fucking exaggerating that shit like that's how he says it it's terrible like what the fuck is this sudden obsession with yankee doodle name it hasn't even been played once this entire fucking movie also that's not sodium it's just a fucking rock Ooh, that's a great plot point they just fucking throw a rock at the floor okay so they keep running and wind up in shop class so power tool death is probably gonna happen I i'm sure Brian flips a switch, which closes the garage door and also causes steam to start shooting out of something because that makes perfect fucking sense, whatever. So he flips another switch, which sends an engine flying around, not joking, and it causes more steam to shoot out and literally every single machine in the shop comes on because why wouldn't there just be a switch for that? I don't know. And somehow the axe gets lost and then they both have power tools and they're fighting with those. And Paula goes to pull the plug to Brian's power tool, but pulls the plug pulls the plug for the wrong one. And so Brad Pitt's power tool suddenly, you know, goes bad. And then Brian suddenly disappears, only to grab Brad Pitt with... Okay, you know that thing that you use to grab animals by the neck? Yeah, it's, it's like that. Because why wouldn't there be one of those in shop class? Right? Like, didn't everybody have one of those in shop class? Okay, just making sure. Brian tries to convince Brad to kill Paula, because again, fuck you, audience. He puts Brad's head into a vice, and the whole time Paula could literally hit him with anything, but instead just screams and says things like, let him go, and then, then finally says, I'll do whatever you want, which of course means making out or something. Yeah, that's, he just wants to have sex with her. or so, it's, I don't know, it's unclear. Like, the whole plot it makes no sense. 
So he's all, okay, she, she's all, okay, just close your eyes. And he does, because even though he's been smart enough to set up a more insane shit than a fucking Rube Goldberg murder machine, he doesn't think, hmm, maybe closing my eyes is a bad idea. And when he closes them, she grabs a hammer and kills him with it, because, you know, thank fucking God, because this movie needs to be done by now. Oh, oh, and the hammer is sticking out of his skull, but he's not dead yet. Okay, so she pushes him, and he lands back first on a bandsaw. Okay, so hopefully he's dead now. Oh, and now, Janitor Destiny shows up, and what does he say? What is this, survival class? Fucking Christ, man. I won't mind cleaning up after you at all, miss. There's a fucking corpse in front of you, and you made a quip about this girl being sexy. What the fuck? Alright, quick talk to the cops, and now we see Dad cresting a hill and walking down the hill, because now he can walk again. Okay, whatever. And now Brad Pitt and Paula are in Brad's car at her place. Alright. And she decides to uncharacteristically be not like herself at all and says, I want to go fast. So they speed off and she's all, Brian was saying some crazy stuff like killing me in the future. And then her dad stumbles into the street in front of the car, but the car can't stop because the brakes have been cut, even though they had to have driven the car multiple times since the brakes had to have been cut. But fuck you, audience. They do manage to stop anyways, and the dad is all, I'm gonna kill that Brian Woods! And they're like, it's okay, dad. We took care of it. He's already dead. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. So how does the movie end? A, we cut to Brian waking up with the bands on his back and laughing maniacally. B, we see Brad Pitt say something funny about friends forever before murdering Paula and her dad. C, custodian destiny fucker blows some white smoke before saying something about high school. D, Principal McDowell is arrested for perving on students. Or E, Dad says something about, I hope you're not cutting class right now, Paula. And it's E. Why did they end on such a fucking stupid note? How did Brad Pitt's car not fuck up till right then? Why couldn't they get Shannon Doherty? What the fuck was wrong with everyone? Who knows? Because that's it. That is the end of cutting class. Well, I hope you enjoyed the return of Horror 4H again. I am very sorry I wasn't able to put out any episodes uh, until just now. Hopefully, my throat continues to cooperate and stays on the mend and get back to 100%. Remember, find me on Facebook, search for Horror4H, or on Twitter with the same thing. You can email me at Horror4H at gmail.com. Check out the Patreon page if you feel like being generous. You know, uh, check Facebook and Twitter for updates on when the next episode will air. Hopefully, it will be this next Sunday as well. Uh, also, I'll be posting hints again this week about what the episode will be, so you can get in on that if you want. Uh, just let me know you're there. You know, like the Facebook page, subscribe to the Twitter feed, uh, all, all that good stuff. It's it's kind of, I know it's stupid and I, I feel like a whore doing this, but you kind of got to do it. It really helps out a lot if I can get likes, subscribers, all that good shit. So tell your friends, you know, let everybody know if you think this is funny and they might like it. It'd be great. So, all right, I won't bug you down with more useless shit. Uh, I don't, I don't want to burden my throat anymore either. So take care, everyone. You know, have a good one, and it's, it's really good to be back.